Welcome to the Kingdom Influencing Podcast. I am your host, Derek L. Calhoun, the author of Press Into the Power. I hope you're enjoying this music that we have. Uh, This song is called Miracle from Sylvia Jones' latest music project, which is available online wherever music is sold or streamed. Or you can reach out to her on her website, www.sylviajones.com, helping you experience God's presence through contemporary worship. Listen, uh, before we get started today, I want to bring you just a quick note from our sponsor, Distinction Inc. Do you need custom t-shirts or hoodies? Look no further than Distinction Inc. From screen printing to embroidery, Distinction Inc. provides high-quality apparel and promotional items with stress-free customer service. Distinction Inc. also provides competitive pricing, especially for nonprofit organizations and churches. If you have any upcoming projects, they would love to earn your business and exceed your expectation. You can request a quote by visiting www.distinctioninc.com. Distinction Inc. We deliver results that make you say, wow. All right, let's get ready for the Kingdom Influencing Podcast. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. I hope you are having an enjoyable summer. This is the Kingdom Influencing Podcast. And again, I'm your host, Derek L. Calhoun. I pray today that you are being blessed beyond measure and that you are making the Kingdom Influencing Podcast your favorite drive time podcast. Hey, we've been talking about the New Testament church and we've done a series on the New Testament church and I'm really trying or attempting to help people, particularly pastors and leaders who are in the church today, make the kind of palpable changes or if you're starting a church from scratch, some of the things that need to be considered in a very real way. Because it's not about just music and preaching. The church was about God's original intent for man. And so I want to take a look at some scripture today and really begin to develop and dive into context of the origin of man so that we can really understand our role, particularly in the area of discipleship. Because discipleship is one of the most critical components of ministry that has ever existed from the very foundation of the world. I want you to to think with me for a minute. We all need to be discipled. We all need to be discipled. At some point in our life, if we're going to grow in the things of God, if we're going to gravitate to God, if we're going to help the church to formulate an existence where the church is sustainable, then we need to make sure that church, that people understand that the church is composed of four major pillars, four major pillars. The first pillar is evangelism. All churches must evangelize. So it's not incumbent upon the churches to have an evangelistic team. A church must be evangelistic. These 
terms that I'm going to use today are what we call part of the kingdom culture of a church. So the first one is evangelism. The second one is discipleship. The third one is fellowship. And the last one is stewardship. But let's start with evangelism. And pretty much people know what evangelism is because it's telling people about the love of Jesus Christ. But there are levels of evangelism. You can start evangelism simply by learning how to witness. What is witnessing? Witnessing is telling people the story of how you came into the knowledge of Jesus Christ, how you got saved. Okay? You can witness. If you can't witness, well, you can witness, but you need to get the courage. You need to get the courage. And God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Secondly, if you're not witnessing in a way of telling people about your story, then the second thing or the, the easiest thing, which probably should have came first, is just inviting people to church. Invite people to your place of worship. If you love your place of worship, if you're growing, if you're learning, if you're being fed, if the church is wholesome, if the church is uh, moving progressively in the things of God, you want to invite people to your church and then allow them to hear the word and then others may witness or they may hear the word and come into the knowledge of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. The last one that deals with evangelism, well, I'm going to give you one more. The last one that deals with evangelism is first inviting them to church, second, witnessing. The third thing that you can do, of course, is lead them to Christ. The scripture declares that he that wins souls is wise. So you have to have wisdom to lead people to Christ, particularly in a day where we have cancel culture. Now, I've already talked to you about cancel culture. I've done a series on that. So you can go back and listen to that. And learn about cancel culture and how you can overcome that. Because cancel culture has been around for years and years and years and years. It's not just a postmodern thing. It has been around for years. All right. Then lastly, I want you to understand something about evangelism. It's not something that you have to go out of your way to do. I mean, it's great to have evangelist teams and to knock on doors and to uh, make a intentional. But a real intentional effort is learning how to live around people. Whether it be on your job, whether it be in your community, whether it be in church and live a life that's pleasing in the sight of God. And when you live a life that's pleasing in the sight of God, it allows you entry points where you can get touches with people, where you can begin to share with people inherently. The best way to do evangelism is to learn to meet the temporal needs of people, to learn to just love them for who they are and begin to share your resources or something that they need that you have in their life. And then as you develop a relationship with them, then evangelism becomes simple. It becomes simple to invite them to church, simple to witness to them, simple to tell them about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. So the key to evangelism, one, is making sure that you get to know people and then meet the needs of people, their natural needs, their temporal needs, Meet those needs, and then you'll be able to move forward in getting them to a place where you can actively and intentionally engage them in conversation about their salvation and, and how it is that you came into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Very simple. But I want to talk about discipleship. Let me give you the last two things, things that you know maybe I'll cover later on, 
But after discipleship, there's fellowship. And after fellowship, there is stewardship. So again, we have evangelism, we have discipleship, fellowship, and then we have stewardship. Those four pillars help the church to be sustainable. The first one, of course, evangelism grows the church. But once a church begins to grow, then you need to make sure that the church congeals, the church comes together, the church is strengthened, the church takes deep root. Discipleship helps the people within the church to take deep root. Now, discipleship is as old as the foundation of the world. So let's go back and take a quick look so that we can understand some of the beginnings of discipleship. And if we don't finish it, we will look at it again next week and we'll talk a little bit more. But I just want to give you some insight on discipleship because discipleship is critical mass. I want to say this. The discipleship, A, is not just a sermon. Although you can teach on discipleship on Sunday mornings in a message, that's great. But that's not the strength of discipleship. Discipleship is not just a class. And yes, we should have discipleship classes, but that's not the strength of discipleship. The strength of discipleship is an internal relationship with God. It's almost impossible to disciple other people unless we have submitted to God ourselves personally and we are in a relationship with God where God is discipling us on a daily basis. God wants to spend time with you. And as God spends time with you, a time with us, because I'm going to put us in there because you never get too old for discipleship. You never get too old to be in relationship with God. We need God in our daily lives. See, Christianity is more than just going to church on Sundays or Tuesdays or Wednesdays and getting involved in some spiritual activities. Christianity involves an intimate relationship with God. What do I mean by relationship? That means we get up in the morning and we pray. I mean, seriously, what can you get from the newspaper or Instagram or Facebook that you can't get from the book? Because we need to be in the book. We need to get, if you can't understand or don't understand the King James Version, then get you a new King James Version. If you don't understand the new King, King James Version, try the NIV. But get a version of the Bible that reads and helps you to obtain aptitude of Scripture. Aptitude of Scripture. In other words, we do not just read Scripture just to read it. We read Scripture to help transform our lives. Scripture is a transforming agent. It gets on the inside of us and it gets in our hearts. And when it's in our hearts, God uses it to help change the context of our livelihoods where we become grateful for what God has done for us in such a way that it is meaningful to talk to God in prayer every day. It's meaningful to read this scripture because literally God is speaking to our souls so that we can become more intentional with helping other people. All right. It may take us a few podcasts, but let's 
get into discipleship. The first thing I want you to know is that God really, really loves man. And God took the time to speak everything into existence until he got to man. When he got to man, he no longer spoke things into existence, but he actually took the time to fashion us, to create us, to make us in his own image. And then he gave us dominion, which allows us to be fruitful, to multiply, to replenish and subdue. But I love the way the scripture talks about man. Listen to the significance and the importance of man. Before any plant of the field in the earth and before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the soil. You can see here that God holds man in a significant posture in the creation story, and nothing was done until man was created in terms of the plants of the fields and the herbs of the fields. He didn't allow them to grow. A matter of fact, it had not, he had not even caused it to rain on the earth because, and there was no man to till the ground. All right, so listen to it. But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the earth of the ground. And I'm reading from Genesis chapter two, verse five, six, and seven. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed in him the Ruach breathed into his nostrils the breath of life the ruach and man became a living being god took the time to fashion man to create man and when he took the time to fashion man and create man he was giving man a mandate the mandate was that he would till the ground now the garden story goes on to tell how God planted the garden. And I want you to get in your head that this was a massive piece of real estate. A massive piece of real estate. There were four river heads. Think about this. Wherever you live, think about the rivers that run. Not the streams, the rivers that run. And you've seen rivers cut through land. They're huge. Four rivers running out of this passage of land. And God then takes man. I'm going to read verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden and gave him two things to do. This was his mandate. God gave him these things to do. Man did not decide for himself because God was developing relationship with man and in developing a relationship with man, he was discipling man. So he gave him two things to do. A, to tend, and B, to keep. To tend and to keep. To tend and to keep. To tend in his root Hebrew word means to work. And to work means to worship. And the Hebrew root for tend causes us to understand that man was created to work and worship. He was created to work and worship. So then understand this. God gave Adam 
a mandate to work and worship and then to keep it means to properly secure it, to make sure it is not corrupted, to make sure that it is secured, it is guarded, it is kept. So Adam had the role to worship, to work, and to protect the garden. And then he gave him a mission, a word from the Lord. Look at the word. The Lord God commanded man, saying of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For on the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now you understand this. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord. That scripture gave Adam a prophetic edge. What is prophecy? But the mind of God. And so it gave Adam a prophetic edge so that Adam would be able to defend himself in the garden against the enemy. God already knew that Satan would be coming. And so Adam needed to have a prophetic voice. He needed to have the word of God that was not written at that time. It was spoken out of the mouth of God directly into the ear of Adam. Notice that Eve is not there. So the main responsibility of taking care of the garden, of worshiping, was given to Adam. And when God gives you an assignment, he gives you oil. He gives you the ability to do it. He gives you the anointing to do what you're supposed to do. And so Adam had a word and he had an assignment. He had a word and he had an assignment. And because his assignment came from God, who was mentoring him, who was spending time with him, Adam was able to do whatever it was that God told him to do. Remember, prophecy is the mind of God. So we see Adam in a threefold position. He is priest. He's called to worship God. He is king. He's called to protect the sovereignty of the garden that God has given him. And he is prophet. He's called to speak the mind of God, to hear it, to know it, and to speak it again. We, lit, we find out later that Eve is created from the Adam's rib and she becomes now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman because she was taken out of man. And so God took the time to have relationship with Adam, even to the point where they were walking through the garden and naming every beast of the field while they were searching for a comparable helper. That took eons, but that was what it took to develop, to walk with Adam every day. Because if you're going to worship God, you're going to walk with God every day. If you're going to be a priest in your home, we're going to walk with God every day. God expects us to spend time with him. And if we spend time with God, that is the process of eternal discipleship. You have been listening to the Kingdom Influencing Podcast. I am your host, Derek L. Calhoun. May the Lord bless you and your family and make sure you go and influence the nations. God bless.